It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is December 31st, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. And happy end of 2019 and happy new year. So this is dropping, uh, New Year's Eve. I hope you guys have some big New Year's Eve plans. Uh, Bruins play today. Uh, and I hope you guys have a tremendous start uh, to 2020. Last year, we started the year off with the Winter Classic. This year, uh, not as exciting. This year, it's the Predators and the Stars, uh, not the hometown Bruins. Uh, but for this episode, uh, I had on Marissa and Jemmy and, we discussed, as you guys remember, last week was the end of the decade episode. DJ Bean and I recapped the decade. This week, we're looking ahead. And, you know, we kind of recapped 2019 really quick. There are some things, obviously, you Bruins fans don't really want to remember. Uh, but then we look forward to 2020 as well. And we look forward to the next decade and the storylines that we think are going to be the biggest uh, over the next 10 years. I know we're looking far out. We're all going to be in different places in 10 years. Um, but we tried our best to predict uh, what's to come in the future. So I think you guys will enjoy sort of the hypotheticals, sort of the things we pitched uh, in this episode. But first, football playoff races are heating up, and you can follow all the action at betonline.ag as your favorite team makes their way to the end of the regular season. It's all about playoffs and draft picks this week, and betonline.ag is there for you during all the late-season drama. You guys saw the late-season drama with the Patriots uh, on Sunday. It wasn't exactly amazing. Uh, up-to-date information, including odds and lines, every spread, every winner or loser, straight bet, parlay, or tease your way through the season. So before the next kickoff, head over to bet online to receive your 50% welcome bonus and be sure to use our promo code CLNS50 and take advantage of our great offer today. Again, go to their website, promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus. Bring the game home with betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And without further ado, here's my conversation with Marissa and Jemmy. And we're here with Marissa and Jemmy. Marissa, what is up? What is up? How has your traveling been this year thus far? I feel like that's a question I should open the show asking you. <laughs> It's been good. I enjoy it. I love traveling. Buffalo was absolutely wonderful. I love Buffalo. Uh, so it was good. Well, that's great. You were at a, uh, there were two hockey games you went to in Buffalo. There was the Bruins and then there was the women's game outside, right? Yeah, it was actually really, really cool. It was actually, um, much, much cooler than I expected. That's the, that was the real winter classic. That was the real winter classic. Um, <laughs> the women's I, winter classic pretty much. 
Yeah, and what's good is it was in Buffalo, so it's like a real hockey place. I'm interested to see how the Winter Classic does this year at the Cotton Bowl in Texas. I'm I'm interested to see well, what they, hockey. They sold like eighty four thousand tickets, I think I saw something like that. Good. I hope. I hope. I hope the game is crazy. I hope it's a great game. Um, and that opens the new year, and the new year is tomorrow. And because this is going on New Year's Eve. Do you have any big I like, was like, do I need to check my calendar? What day? <laughs> I know. I was like, wait, I'm, I'm so in Tuesday because we record these on Monday afternoons, but this is going Tuesday. So we're talking as if it's Tuesday. Uh, do you have any big New Year's plans? I'm just going to Baltimore to see my friend and chill and then come back in time for practice. That's fun. That's fun. And you'll be, are you going to be in New Jersey for the game today? I am not. <laughs> I feel so weird to say because it's t- really tomorrow. Whatever. All right, let's jump right into the episode. Why don't we? Um, so I, I want to spend this show looking back at 2019, previewing 2020, and hell, why don't we just look at the whole fucking decade? Um, so I'll start with this question. Theme of 2019 for the Bruins. Now, I don't mean like the 2018-19 team. I mean like the calendar 2019 year. Um, so that's this season and the end of last season. I will say the theme in my book was consistency. They were consistently good. And when they were not great, they were consistently not great. We saw that over the losing streak recently. They've had consistent play in net. Their only real non-consistent effort was game seven of the Stanley Cup final. (laughs) Not great. But for the rest of the year, say I would say it's pretty consistent. They were a pretty consistently good team. Well, do I have to pick, like, one word, or can it be a ramble? You can ramble. Go for it. It just, I don't know how to describe it, but, like, just the feel around them has been the same from the beginning of 2019 last year until now. It just feels like the same feel in the room, and a lot of that's the same personnel have been there, I guess. But just, like, I mean, I guess consistent kind of works with that, too. It just, it just always feels like there is an inner belief in themselves, but not too, like, not to the point where they think they can just kind of show up or anything like that. Just, I guess I'll use the word belief. They just like really believe in what they're doing and they buy in and you don't really see any stragglers who kind of go outside of that. Cassidy likes to use the term passengers. You don't see any passengers for too long. Everyone kind of gets reeled in in the end. So I guess really that's kind of been the theme for me that it's kind of overarched everything. Well, it's funny. I mean, you mentioned the passengers thing. You know, Sunday night, he sits DeBrusque in the first period. DeBrusque goes and scores two goals in the third. Danton Hyens sits for the back half of the third period. Brett Ritchie weirdly played after he got that stupid tripping penalty. I mean, there. Brett Ritchie played well. Brett Ritchie did play, and he didn't do a great job. I think he led the team in hits, though. So, Bruins have their forces. So, everyone on Twitter.com should be thrilled. Oh yes, the Brett Ritchie Stan Club is just uh, through the roof. But but Cassidy has this weird t- tendency to push the right buttons, and that's another theme I think of 2019 was he knew when to put guys in and when to take guys out. He did it during the playoffs. It seemed to work pretty well for him, um, and so I think that kind of goes along with consistency. They were consistent this whole year, and it goes along with very um, 2018 Alex Cora making all the right moves in the playoffs energy. It it really you know that's a great analogy. That is very true. It had all, it had all of that. Now, ironically enough, Cassie's had a better year after the, going to the championship than Cora did. Well, yes. But for the time being, I think you're 100 percent right. Cora hit all the right buttons. He knew when to put guys in, when to bring guys in from the bullpen, all that fun stuff. Cassie did it perfectly, especially on Krejci's 
I wouldn't say perfectly, but he did it pretty well, as well as you can do with jump, you know, juggling Carson Coleman and Dan Heinen and David Backus on Krejci's right side during the playoffs last year. Um, mm-hmm. 2019 MVP for the Bruins. I'll go first. I'll say Brad Marchand. And I know that's not really a hot take. It's not a crazy take. It's probably true. I mean, you know, one of the biggest, and DJ Bean said this last week, biggest surprise of the decade was that Brad Marchand turned into one of the elite players in the NHL. A hundred yeah, point guy fair. last, hundred point guy last year, 85 points, I think the year before. I mean, he's really turned into a juggernaut. He's averaging over a point per game right now. For me, he's got to be the MVP, uh, at least for this calendar year. What about you? I want to say something like, Wild, like Yaroslav Halak for making Do it. Do it. Last. I, I, Do in it. my, like, I really want to, but also, like, Marshawn's the correct answer. Like, well, Marshawn's the, the correct answer, answer. Marshawn's the correct answer, but on podcasts like this, we want to try to go for those different answers. And you are right. I, I'm kind of mad at myself. I didn't think of Yaroslav Halak because that's a good Just like, because I was thinking in my head because I wasn't earlier today because I'm an idiot. So I was trying to go over in my head really quickly. Oh, who should it be? And my first thought was, well, Halak, and then I'm like, no, it's Marchand. I, like, that's the answer, but also Halak is a not incorrect answer. Well, I think Halak has been the most underrated Bruin this year, and I think because, you know, it's what basically – a pro- player award winner Chris Wagner? Eh, not this year. Not, not Never this forget. season. Never forget. Great player last year. He's been okay this year. Hasn't You're had the goal score. all your Walpole subscribers. I know, I know. I they're they're, they're going to revolt. Uh, I'll make up for it with people from Weymouth and uh and Charlestown. <laughs> uh I was actually in Weymouth the other day and I was like, "Huh. Charlie Coyle used to live here. Um I I I should I should tell him I'm here." Um but no, I think that <laughs> Yaroslav Halak gets overlooked so much cuz at this point it's a proven fact that Tuka Rask is better when he has more rest during the regular season. Most you know, goalies are. Most goalies are, but especially with Rask. I mean, you know, he goes to the Cup in 2013 on a lockout-shortened season. Goes to the Cup last year, played like 45 games. Uh, the seasons that they didn't make the playoffs, he played the most. So, and then there was that one year, was it 2016-17, where it took like until December for Hudobin to get a win? Am I remembering that yeah, correctly? Yeah, oh my god, yeah. There was that weird year where, because Hudobin in 17-18 was lights out, was was great, if I remember correctly. But the year before, he was not great. <laughs> and not I think not good. And that just goes to show you need a, a, a 1A, a, you need a 1B to your 1A. And they found it with Halak. Uh, and I think there's a real case to be made that Yaroslav Halak, MVP of the 2019 season, of the 2019 calendar year. I actually like that answer better than Marshawn. Uh, obviously, Marshawn. Well, Marshawn's the answer. Well, Marshawn's the answer, but. We like to think outside the box, and Halak, I think, would be a great pick for that. Um, Marissa, I'm going to put you on the spot because I don't know if you've thought of this yet. Your moment of 2019 for the Bruins. What was the, the biggest moment, the most electrifying? I mean, what was your, I guess, favorite moment? You know, hmm. Base it off that. So I don't really have, like, a favorite moment because all of mine have nothing to do with, like, the team winning or anything. Um I guess, like, the best moment or, like, something you point to, I think I have two that aren't, like, I mean, going to Stanley Cup, like, that, again, like, that's the answer, but other than that, the two things that stand out to me when I kind of remember this calendar year, the Winter Classic, which was almost exactly a year ago, and almost. that seemed to, 
kind of turn a page for them. And also in Vegas, when David Backus came back and won the game in the shootout, that was the first time I was kind of like, oh, th- this team, something could happen. And I, I just like remember that so vividly. I feel like that was such like a bringing the team together thing. They had just traded for Charlie Coyle. So like I kind of look at those two things like those are really good moments. Those are two very good moments. The Winter Classic too, because remember Rask was struggling up till that point, and then they it, yeah, it was and debated. like Charlie McAvoy was out, and like there's all this stuff going on. And it was who who should be the starting goalie, and they start Rask. He plays great, and from that point forward, him and Halak basically were just shut were shut down in that. And and I think as as you mentioned, uh, turning point. I have two moments as well. They're both in the cup final, and I think they'll both not be forgotten, but if they'd won, I was thinking this the other night, if they'd won the cup, these two moments would be top 10 Boston moments. Wait, um, like, can, I, can I guess them? Yes, go ahead and try guessing them. The Char standing ovation. Yes. The Tory Krug hit. Yes, you got both. I think yeah, those two, yeah. if, if they had won that cup, I don't want to, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I almost feel like that Krug hit would be worthy of a statue, like or, or something. Like that hit was. I remember watching Krug uh, battle with Perron in front of uh, in front of Rask, and I remember thinking he looks pissed. I mean, Perron just kind of ripped his helmet off. The refs mm-hmm. kept their arms down, and Krug kind of came up from behind the play. He was just helmet off, hair flowing, skating 100 miles per hour. And then everyone, initially everyone was like, oh, it was a charge. No, it wasn't because Krug glided for like a few feet and then just laid the boom on Robert Thomas. And I, that and the Char standing ovation are as loud as I've ever heard the garden. Um, and then the Char standing ovation. I mean, that would be his swan song moment. They win the cup. He gets a standing ovation like that. I mean, that would have just been so fitting for a guy like Zdeno Chara. And they just couldn't pull it out in Game Seven. Um, but I got those... every single game prediction wrong during the Cup because I was trying to go by gut feeling, and I was wrong every time. But my gut feeling during that standing ovation was, "Oh, they're going to win now." Yes, that's the same thing I had, and that was Game Five. Do you remember what happened in Game Five? Nola Chari gets tripped. The Blues score. All hell breaks loose, and they're on the brink of elimination. And I just could not have foreseen that at all. The only game I think I pre- uh, no, correctly yeah, predicted. That, after that, I was like, well, they're going to lose now. And then they win game six. I'm like, well, they're going to win now. It was the biggest swing of emotions in that in that last couple games. Because uh, game, yep. game th- after game three, I remember I did a podcast with – it was either Ty Anderson or DJ – and they were like, oh, it's a foregone conclusion. They're going to win. It's just when when are they going to do it? Because game three, they just yeah, curb stomped the Blues. Absolutely killed them. And then game four, they come out. And I know people are hating this talk right now because we're just bringing up bad memories for people. But yeah. game four, they come out and they just uh, gave up a goal in the first minute. And then that changed the whole series. Um, so those are my two moments. I think your two moments are great because they are not moments that I think are as notable as the cup. But they had greater impacts. Um, and I, and I like those two, uh, a lot. So, uh, now we're going to get into some predictions. Who do you think your 2020 MVP will be for the Bruins? And this is a calendar year. So, so not one season, the entire calendar. Well, not year. just this year, but next year too. Next year too. Hmm. 
That's a great question. I'm just going to go with like the easy one because it's true, probably. Marchand. It's a great pick. I totally think he's like, going to be a... That's probably true. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that... I want to be creative, but like, I'm... yeah, that has to be the answer. Mine is a little bit more creative. Um, and it would be someone else, but the someone else I think is my question is my answer for the next question I'll ask. Uh, I think the 2020 MVP is going to be Tuukka Rask. I think Rask. I thought about him, but like it's tough to predict with goalies. It's tough, but we got to do this. It's so it's weird because I don't know the way things are shaping up. It, it looks like they're going to make another run at the Cup. It really does look like that. I know it's not even. January, technically December 31st. But it just looks like they're going to make another run for it, and Rask is getting equal amounts of rest. And I think that they are just playing on a revenge tour, and I, my prediction is Tuka Rask has a huge spring once again, and the team gets it done around him uh, to, to win the whole thing. I know that's a big prediction. You can definitely see it. I don't know if it's going to happen, but that's my prediction. Uh, why the hell not? So my next question is bigger player of the next decade. And this is a two part question is the player on the team now. And if so, who is it? Or is the player not on the team? Is the player of the next decade, not on the team right now? I wanted to be like some guy we've never heard of. I know Um, some draft pick in like 2023. Someone who's like currently 15 years old. Imagine (laughs) like how stressful Playing for the South shore Kings. Yeah, exactly. The future Charlie Coyle. Um, huh. I think probably not on this roster only because they have so many, like the core of the team is going to depart the team this decade, right? Like realistically. Um, I would Chara say so, definitely yeah. will. Uh, Bergeron probably, Marchant probably, even Creepy probably. So you narrow it down a bit to the younger guys. And then like the, the future core pieces like McAvoy, well, he's a defenseman. How much could it be him? Um, Debrusque, that even RF at the end of the year, do we really totally know what his ceiling is yet? I don't know. Um, and, I mean, Coyle's fine long term, but like he's not the type of guy that can just like take over or anything like that. Um, so yeah, I think it's, and then they have guys in the minors too, like Danica, we, we don't know what he is yet. He's looked good in flashes, but we don't know. Um, so unless I just like stay on brand and say Carson Kuhlman or something, I think probably <laughs> someone who we haven't thought about yet. There is someone you have not thought about yet. And I can't believe in that all those names you just named, you did not name this person. David Pasternak. No. Well, yeah, David Pasternak. I think, I think Pasternak. I I can see it. I can see it, I guess. He's the only one that I think you can make a real guess will be the next player. He's the only one currently on the team you can make a case for, but even then, I don't know. Correct. I just think, I think the goal scoring's there. Um, Granted, he's kind of how old is Pasternak? Twenty three. So he's twenty. Yeah, he'll only be thirty at the end. Or sorry, I can't do math. He'll be thirty three at the end of the decade. <laughs> thirty. Oh my god. Um, thirty three at the end of the decade. So this is going to be his prime, and he and he's already showing that he could maybe get fifty goals this year. Nobody really knows. He ended the he, the six game uh, the five game goalless drought ended for him on Sunday night. Uh, so I think. 
he's going to be the guy. I think he is the best candidate, at least right now. And he's my pick because my other pick would be someone who isn't on the team yet. And uh, I want to keep things interesting and, and not guess that, but <laughs> I am, I am interested to see where they end up uh, drafting over the next few decades and who they draft. Um, so I think there's three storylines that are going to dominate the beginning of the decade, the next decade, the 2020s, we're not even in the 2020s yet. And we're already predicting the end of the 2020s. Um, I think there are three storylines that are going to dominate. Number one, What's the future in net? Tuukka Rask is an unrestricted free agent after next season. I don't really know if they have the next guy in the wings. Yaroslav Halak is not that guy. He's he's like 35 or 36. Um, so I'm very curious to see what they do with him. Do they sign him to less? Um, obviously, Rask has already gotten his long-term deal. I don't suspect the Bruins will give him another one. They would probably, you know, do more short-term, uh, you know, um, you know, he is 32 right now at the end of his deal. I think he'll be around 34. So I don't know. I mean, do you really want to give a huge contract to a 34 year old goalie? Probably not. So that's going to be something that at the very beginning is going to be uh, a storyline that's going to pop up a lot is who is the next goalie? Um, I do think you have that, any, do you have any idea what they, mm-hmm. what they are going to do? I think that Tuka is on the team longer than the next two years. Like, I don't think that's going to be it. I think I you're right. Probably not a long-term deal, but I think Tuka, at least like a good portion of the first half of the decade is the guy. And then after, I mean, they have Kyle Kaiser. He's looked good at times. Um, I think he'll definitely get a crack at it unless Tuka's there for so long. They just end up moving on. But other than that, no, there's no one else really organizationally. I mean, Jeremy Swayman's at Maine, but we don't know enough about him to real. I mean, he's good but no idea how he translates at the pro level at all. So like, those are the two guys kind of waiting, but it all depends how long they keep Tuka around. Yeah. The, the Rask thing is going to be interesting. I think it's going to be something that pops up over and over again and kind of who's the next guy. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, you mentioned it earlier, the veteran core is going to start to retire at the beginning of this decade. Um, down the middle. What do you do there? Krejci's up after next season. Bergeron's up after 2021, 22. You have Stadnika, you have Beecher uh, in the in the farm system. Are they the guys? Are they, you know, you have, you, you sign Coil to that five-year extension. What are you going to do next? What's next after those guys are gone? I mean, are you, and I mentioned this on a podcast a few months ago. You people on Twitter who rip Krejci, you're going to look you back people, and go, You people, I don't want You, you look back you guys you people are gonna look back and go damn we had it pretty good with Bergeron and Krejci down the middle as the one-two punch so I wonder what they do next down the middle what do you think yeah I mean I'm one of the biggest don't trade Krejci people in the world just because of this um it it does I don't want to say it looks bleak because just like stuff happens that no one's ever thought of like if we were having this conversation a year ago we never would have thought of Charlie Coyle right so that's very true we have no idea um, Stadnik is obviously in their plans. Beecher's obviously in their plans. Beecher's a little bit away, of course. But then you have to look at future drafts. Again, I, I think a lot of the answers to a lot of stuff for the next decade are things we just don't know about yet or haven't heard about or haven't thought about. But um, it's going to be – it's either going to be interesting. In I say interesting. Usually that means because it's kind of chaotic or we don't know the answer. Or they'll just, like, figure it out and it won't be a concern at all. Yeah, and, and you know, Sweeney's proven himself pretty well uh, to f- sort of figure these questions out. 
The other thing, and this will be something that pops up maybe at the end of this year, is what's the future of Zidane Ochara? Uh, up after this year, you know, they keep signing him to these one, one-year deals, these short-term deals. You know, if Chara could keep playing, I mean, if it was Chara's choice, he'd play till he's 100. Um, but realistically, when do you think he's done? Has to be after this year. You really think so? Unless, like, it does. It just depends. Like, there, again, there's so many moving pieces. What happens with Krug? Um, just they have Carlo locked up for a bit. They have McAvoy locked up for a bit. It would be nice to have Chara as kind of a bridge for when those contracts are coming up again too, and I have to start worrying about things. Um, but I don't know. I feel like after last year, or at this time last year, I would have said after last season too. But he's playing at a level where. I mean, he's lost his stuff, obviously, but he's not, like, playing at a level where you're like, oh, he has to retire right now. But I don't know. I guess, like, until – I just feel like it, it has to be soon. He's 42. Yeah. No, it really it feels like it has to be soon. But, again, he's been fine. I mean, he hasn't been bad. He, he, I think he's worth, what, like $2.5 this year? I mean, nothing nothing that's killing it's the team cap-wise. But still, everything counts when you have a guy like Crew coming up. Correct. And and that's the thing. So um, I don't know if I have a prediction yet for when Char retires. I, you know, it, it feels like there'd be more talk of it if it was going to be after this year. So I think it'll probably be after next season. That's when he's going to retire because Char is definitely someone who will play until his legs legitimately fall off. Um, so I would, I think next season will be it. I think next season will be the last year um, if I had to take a wild guess at it. But people have been predicting that for years. I mean, think about it like this, Marissa. Think if we did a Patriots podcast and we did it 10 years ago today. And we were saying, well, what are the storylines over the next decade? Oh, they're going to need to find the successor to Tom Brady. <laughs> and Brady, what do you know? Brady's younger, but yes. The guy just keeps – oh, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Chara and Brady are not comparable, um, at least t- for you know 10 years ago. But you'd be looking ahead and going, oh, man, you know uh, – Tom Brady, they're going to find a successor to Tom Brady in the next 10 years. And what do you know? He plays through it all. Um, so all of these obviously are completely, you know, who knows. Um, but it's fun to, to take some, to guess, to make some guesses. Cause maybe in 10 years, we'll dig this podcast up and we'll be like, damn, you know, Marissa, you know what you said 10 years ago? You said that uh, they, the Bruins had figured out down the middle and they did and they won 10 Stanley Cups. So who knows? <laughs> um, Prediction on this. So obviously last decade, they go to three cups. They win one. Um, this is complete. If, if there's a guess on this podcast, that is just complete nonsense. It's this one. How many cups do the Bruins go to over the next 10 years? Well, they went to three this past decade, right? They went to three. Let's go to three. See, I don't know about three. I think two, and that's a very conservative answer, but I think two. And I think that I wonder if there's a rebuild somewhere in there because the veteran core is on its way out. It all comes down to how they develop guys to fill in for your Bergerons, your Marshots, who's going to be on the first line with Pasternak, you know, all these questions. Granted, they can't be answered now because it's, it's not a now type thing. But I do wonder when those guys are gone and these younger guys like DeBrusque and Pasternak are the veterans, what happens? What happens in net? Things like that. I wonder when the re, if there's going to be a rebuild, if they'll do a rebuild on the fly. 
Do you think Bruce Cassidy makes it through the next 10 years? There's a question. Just because the landscape of pro sports don't work that any that way anymore, no. And that has nothing to do with him as much as just like that's not the way things work anymore. Yeah, I don't see him lasting. Uh, t- as great a coach as he is, nobody lasts the full 10 years. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think, you know, but I think he'll last a while, and I think it'll be kind of like a Claude situation where yeah, I don't imagine just get him being gone anytime soon unless something completely unforeseen happens. I, I, I struggle to imagine the next at least half decade him not being a part of it. Yeah, I see him as the coach at least until 2026-27. So that's my big that's my big take. You can hold me to it. If, if, if the 2026 season comes around, you can come over and slap me in the face with these and say, <laughs> oh, Evan, he's still the coach. Or, oh, Evan, he got fired three years before. So – who knows? It's funny. He actually said uh, Sunday night when uh, when he was asked about, you know, how are you so good at pressing buttons and, and sending messages? He's like, well, when they're not responding, I'll probably be out the door. <laughs> and so maybe that's I when he gets that. the boot is when those messages go right out the window and there's, you know, they need a new uh, coach. Is there any other predictions you have for the next decade that are bold that you want to put out there, put on the record so I can come back at you with these in the future? I have more like general NHL predictions than Bruins because everything is personnel related and it's hard to say who's going to be where. Go um, for it. You want NHL predictions? I'll take anything. I think they're going to get rid of all side reviews at some point in the next decade because it's ridiculous. I think the NHL will att- make a women's hockey league attempt, um, lowercase a attempt. And <laughs> I think the NHL gets up to 36 teams. 36. You think I think that's their limit. I think they get to it in the next 10 years. Aside from Seattle, where else do you think? What other cities do you think are? are uh, Quebec. Yes. Kansas City. Maybe. They'll try one more in Ontario. Okay. Portland, Oregon. Not a, That's not bad. And that's it. See, they, they Canada needs a Stanley Cup. So why don't we just put every new team in Canada and just hope for the best? Well, other I don't new know. teams will be bad unless they're Vegas. Yes. I just wonder, with 36 teams, the talent parity, you know, it's going to be so even. I feel like in some ways it'll be boring in a way. Do you know what I mean? Like, how are those like teams going to get? Yes, but, you know, all those expansion drafts, you know, parodies are great, but you need some – really good teams and I just wonder if I think you're be able Vegas to have that. having success in year one kind of justifies it a little bit it does but if you do it too much then it sort of starts I feel like to go away um I perhaps the Kansas I'm Kansas not saying I agree inter- with it by the way I'm just saying oh no my yeah. hunch your hunch um I don't know if I have any big NHL predictions over the next 10 years I mean I think Ovechkin breaks Gretzky's sco- goal scoring record I think that'll be something that yep. could take place and it'll be pretty cool when it does because no one ever thought that would be attainable. And Ovechkin is like, what, 200 away? I mean, he's, he's, he's close mm-hmm. and he's got some time left in the league. Um, the, the expansion thing is very interesting. I think that uh, a team in Portland, I think, would be really interesting. Um, Kansas City might work. F- the Florida Panthers are weird to me. Um, and... You know, they don't do well attendance-wise. I I don't know. 
I'm not going to say they're going to okay, lose their team. Okay, I have another team. take. What is it? As for as long as Gary Bettman is commissioner, they are not going to move any of the teams from the Southern Project, and he'll see it through. Okay, that's a that's that's a good prediction. I don't know if the Panthers are going to get moved in the next ten years, but I wouldn't be surprised if it took place. Uh, I'm not as bold as you to make a de- definite statement on that, but I would not be surprised. Um, it's funny because it's weird when it comes to Bruins predictions. Right now, they're good. So it's not me. It's not easy to be like, oh, Don Sweeney will be fired in two years. Like w- nothing makes me think that. So yeah, I'm when these negative would be, it would be a surprise as of now. And it would be like six years down the road. We're not predicting the Ottawa Senators here. Correct. I mean, if it's the Senators, you can make a lot of uh, different predictions. But uh, I do. When it comes to Cassidy's tenure, Sweeney's tenure. Neely's tenure, it's hard to predict because things are good right now. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't think that's, you know, for a couple of years down the road. And the team is good. And we've made all our player predictions. Um, so, yeah, I think we've previewed the next 10 years pretty well. I don't think – I mean, is there any stone that, that we left unturned? I, I don't think so. Um, I think we don't hit everything. So. I think we hit everything. So before you go, Marissa, is there anything you'd like to plug? Um, follow me on Twitter. At Marissa underscore and Jemmy, subscribe to the Boston Herald and read specifically my stories. Thank you. There you go. Do that. Uh, and Marissa, thank you for joining. Have a happy new year. Uh, and to all the Bruins well. listeners out there, you guys have a happy new year. And for CLS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. Have a great rest of your year and your week. And why don't you have a great 2020 while you're at it? Mm-hmm.